We have a great podcast today. We have Asha Gomez. You might have seen her on Ugly Delicious season one and two. She is a fantastic chef, thought maker in the culinary industry based in Atlanta. Asha has two books. One came out a few years back called My Tooth Souse and one that is about to be released called I Cook in Color. We love having her. And we decided to do a dad's podcast with Asha. She has a teenage son, something that Chris and I are not looking forward to, to that, <laughs> that era of our, our children. And all that is coming right up. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit, where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Doma Media. Thank you to Yola Tango for the music and the introduction. We have Asha Gomez as our guest today on a dad's installment, talking about her teenage son and how she's sort of operating in Atlanta and talking about her new cookbook, I Cook in Color. But before we get into that, we have been experimenting with so many different kinds of podcasts since the quarantine began all the way back in March, almost eight months ago. Can you guys believe it's been eight months of hell? God. I mean, the last uh. time I saw a group of people was on March 1st, which was Hugo's birthday. And that's the last time we saw anybody for the most <laughs> part. But, um, you know, we were getting into a groove on the podcast. We were getting great guests and... Um, we were getting a lot of information and, and feedback and, and shaping the podcast. And we sort of got away from doing the top three. You know, Bill Simmons is arguably one of the earliest podcasters, and he has done more reps than just about anybody. And he sort of sat me down and told me, hey, you need to be doing these top threes or top fives. Just talking about random things or specific things and, and going somewhat into detail, but just talking about things. That's what people want to hear. And we were doing that. And then we were going to the guest and, you know, we've been doing this podcast about two and a half years, trying to find different buckets. And we have several, we've had dads, we have a uh, recipe club, we have bad movie club. And I think in the next few months, you're going to continue to see this podcast evolve, become more structured in some ways and less structured in others. And 
one of the things that Chris and I always do in any of our conversations is go with top fives, right? Top five this, top five that, top five spiciest dishes. And you guys have heard some of that in the past few podcasts, most recently with Hawa Hassan and Top Five Condiments. And we are now sort of just, just sort of figuring out maybe we just merge the Simmons top three with the top five and call it the top eight or something like that. I, I don't know. Uh, but I mean, I like doing in-person interviews. I, I, I just something that I like to do. And we'll do that when the world comes back online in a normal way. And we will continue to have new guests and thought makers on this podcast. But for the time being, I think we're going to continue to screw around with this format. So without blabbering on too much, and before we get into Asha's interview on dads, Chris and Isaac, you want to explain what the hell we're going to do? (laughs) Well, we... (laughs) We had started messing around with this a couple of weeks ago with, with uh, what we thought we were going to call the Excelsior Challenge, but uh, well, Excelsior! no, what, what Chain thought, what Dave thought, <laughs> we were going to call the Excelsior but Challenge. Let me say, you all came back. We we did we did put it out there to all of you listeners, and just before we get into what we're actually going to do here, uh, just and, and I don't know what we're going to name this segment, but it seems like you all like boneless wings and nuggets. In my opinion, is fact, mm-hmm. and uh, the Excelsior Challenge uh, came in well, last originally. But, I, I, I just for all the fucking. Listeners that no, didn't, fucking listeners. yeah, you fucking <laughs> listeners we, we that didn't, that did not choose Excelsior Challenge. <laughs> just know that originally the top three was called My Opinion as Fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was originally called My Opinion as Fact. Also, this is not never, is never. Not, don't don't talk to me if you don't want to vote for Excelsior Challenge. Also, this is not a democracy, so I I don't know. We put the vote out there, but shout uh, out Kim Jong Un. <laughs> Shout out to Kim Jong Un. So here's oh what we're gonna God. do. We have we have we have uh, built a state of the art uh, algorithm that's gonna spit out some topics for yes. us. So uh, yeah, well, well, you know, listen, the Ringer merged with the Spotify, mm-hmm. supercomputers, and there's the <laughs> algorithm, and this is how we pulled a lot of these questions. The yeah. the Ringer, major domo, Spotify, supercomputer, AI. Yeah, hundreds of scientists were working on this. Right. Hyper, very advanced (laughs) quantum computing. We broke it. And uh, (laughs) our computer's going to spit out a a word or a phrase or something for us to talk about. We're going to have a little time on the clock. And um, remarkably, the supercomputer's voice sounds a lot like Isaac Lee's voice. So, uh, (laughs) you know, if if there's any resemblance. All right. So the uh, (laughs) as soon as the supercomputer spits out a topic, I'm going to give you guys one minute to discuss the topic. And then I'm going to ring the our friendly bell, our very friendly bell. And you guys are going to have to move on. I'm going to hold you to it, all right? All right. All right. Starting now, uh, the supercomputer is booting. And the first topic is duck. Well, I, I'm talking about this because Sambar, or what is formerly Sambar, at 207 Second Avenue, and I'm not there, but looking at the photos, they have this duck at home thing that you can cook and it looks outrageous. I think duck is one of the foods that makes it difficult for home cooks to cook at home. So getting it for takeaway might be the food of the quarantine to buy from a restaurant, have it prepped out and then cook at home. I think it's a uh, something that everyone should do. Duck is highly underrated. Duck is the best bird, I think. I think duck is, it, is yeah. People I, I don't understand. Like people think chicken is is more versatile, but like duck is universal. Everything that you make with duck is delicious. Duck confit, cassoulet, peking duck, 
I like fucking Balut. Do you like Balut? You hate Balut. Let's. I, is this question about Balut? Because I don't <laughs> remember. All right. Moving on. The supercomputer is now booting. And the next topic is the Houston Astros. The cheating, lying Houston Astros. Yes, I, I, I love Houston. I fucking hate the Houston Astros so much. I used to love them because their old logo is amazing. But those cheating motherfuckers, God damn it, it pisses me off that they're actually going to probably make the World Series this year. And again, this separate my love of Houston as a town and its entire city versus the Houston Astros. I just can't root for them. Let me take the uh, devil's advocate here. Oh, what, no. what if we just... Oh, what no, if we Chris. just removed all rules with barring some from baseball? Like baseball is, I mean, like that, that's the game for our times, right? The game for this era is, a, is ruleless baseball. Like you can't hurt other people, but people, the most exciting parts, I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is the worst logic why, ever. Why are you but doing people, this? People like, I'm just saying, fuck it. Like baseball is this like delicate social contract that's all kind of bullshit. Like okay. let's just remove all rules. Okay. Wouldn't you guys want to see at least a sports team or franchise or league where everyone's hopped up on stuff? Yes. Juice. Right? I hate that the Astros, but I want to see that. I hate the Astros, but I want to see that. You know, just to see what yeah. that would yeah. be like. Like, what? What is it like? F one. What's the What's the racing where there's like no rules? You can do whatever you want to the car. Is that F one? No, I don't F1, even know. F one. You definitely can't. Is there such a sport where there are no rules whatsoever? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. We should have the XFL. I don't know. Like, let's let's do this. I don't think that our children are going to watch baseball. I think it is unfortunately. Literally a past pastime. I th- I think so too. I mean, I think I think that baseball has the thing that we love. We it has like situational drama, right? We were talking about this the other day, Chang. Like baseball is great because it can be bottom of the ninth, full count, down we two just runs. Lost five hundred listeners. <laughs> Ring the bell. <laughs> but right. I was saying, if you remove that, like the best parts of baseball is when the game breaks down, like a runner's caught in a pickle, well, trick plays, all that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. When I was in college in 1999, I remember going to a bar in Hartford, Connecticut, just so I could watch Sammy Sosa play Mark McGuire. And that was riveting. Yeah. Absolutely riveting just to see these guys just launching balls. And I'll be honest, that was the best baseball I'd ever seen (laughs) in my life. The best baseball I've ever seen. They were huge. They were just like uh, monsters. So let's juice the players again is what you're saying. Juice the ball, juice the players. Juice the ball and the players. No hurting one another, but let's just remove some of these rules from baseball. It's all just and bring like, back and bring back chewing tobacco. Bring back chewing tobacco <laughs> and just like pine tar everywhere. Wherever you want to put yeah. pine tar, put it on. Just slather and sandpaper, it all over. Sandpaper. And sandpaper. All right. The, our supercomputer is now telling me that we've got to talk about an actually good sport. Our third topic is LeBron James. I listen. I think there is bias, recency bias, because I watched Michael Jordan my entire life growing up, and he was the greatest of all time. But I think it's clear, and this is painful for me to say this because I've always loved LeBron. I think he's the greatest basketball player of all time. Wow. I, I, I just, I think it's remarkable how he has been to the finals nine years out of 10 and his game has evolved over the past 10 years as well. I think it's hard pressed to find someone, obviously his generation, but he's right up there. And I, if I was a LeBron James kid, I would definitely say he's better than Michael Jordan, obviously, but I could definitely see that now. Yeah, I, I I grew up a I grew up a Lakers fan watching games with my dad. And because he's been so good and he wasn't a Laker, I had this uh, anti-LeBron thing. Like you just I wanted Kobe to be the best and he wasn't. And so it's hard for me to turn around but I you know, LeBron's LeBron's 
But all, here's the you know here's here's the thing that I love most about LeBron over Michael Jordan. I've never forgiven Michael Jordan for saying that Republicans buy sneakers. I've never really admired how he has stayed in the shadows about anything political. And it's only recently since he said he would donate, I think, $100 million to Black Lives Matters charities. Um, that might not be accurate, but I know that he's donating a bunch. And still, like, I love Michael Jordan. But what I admire most about LeBron is what he does with his platform and how he's fearless about it. Um, so that's he, pretty like, cool. For, for somebody who started playing in the NBA when he was 18 or whatever, like it's unbelievable how he's matured and grown into that role. It's crazy. You're right. What do you think, Isaac? Supercomputer? Who's the better? Uh, who's the greatest of all time? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No. Who you could choose? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You can only choose one. You can only choose one on one, with your Kareem. squad. I'm going with Kareem. You can only choose LeBron or Michael Jordan on your team. <laughs> who would you be? At their prime on the Clippers, who would you take? Oh, God. Um, uh, I don't know. You have to answer Supercomputer. I would, I would uh, say LeBron. I would say LeBron. Um, but it pains me to say that because he's a Laker. And he chose to go to the Lakers, and wow. it, that's just such so a you, such so a painful experience for me. <laughs> I don't hate, Michael, hate Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. No, like well, it's clear from your answer that you hate Michael Jordan, and you don't. And it sounds like you don't like roast duck either. Yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I will tell you what I hate the Astros because they cost the Dodgers the World Series. Yeah, by cheating. Up, um, this is why up. I hate baseball. By the way, let it be said, I hate the I, I do hate the Astros despite my my weird trolling of the game of baseball. I do hate them very much. Supercomputer, I have a question for you. Okay. What is the best shellfish? The best shellfish? Is it crab or lobster? Gosh, I don't what like... What would you choose? What is the better shellfish? I don't like really either. But if I had to choose gun what to my is... head, I'll go with crab. What? What? How do you not like anything that is delicious? <laughs> I, don't, I do not like crab. I had bad experiences as a kid, like trying to hammer open the crab at Redondo Beach, the, the little crab yeah. place there. What, did you smash your... Thumb? Yeah, no, I did actually. I like smashed one of my fingers once, and it was like a bad experience. And like I associate that with crab now. I can't believe you blame crab for you smashing your finger. I was a kid. You know, what I should. You know, what I should blame is my is my family because they <laughs> yeah. they took me there as a child and was like, yo, yo, take this little hammer and break open this very sharp object, which is a, a shellfish. You know, who's faultless is the, is the crab. But <laughs> you're, you're absolutely Shane, right. What's what's the correct answer? Well, I think. The really the question should be crab or lobster, and I think you have to go crab every time. Oh, so I was right. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, but I mean, but again, like you basically flipped a coin, so that doesn't really mean. Okay, anything. okay. <laughs> and the no, reason crab why crab, better. the reason why crab is better, mm -hmm. is that it's just more versatile. I think lobster stocks are delicious, mm -hmm. and sometimes lobster meat is great, but it's not as delicious as everything that can come from a crab. Oh, interesting. So, like, the holistic experience of the lobster is not yeah, as... Yeah, but lobster's great. I, I just think it's overrated compared to the, the kinds of things you can do with crab. Because mm. you could, like, most of the preparations... I'm just thinking about... I guess I'm thinking about, like, ginger scallion lobster with, like, e-food noodles. You could do that with crab. It'd be delicious, too. But there are things you can do with... I think what you're saying is there are things you can do with crab that wouldn't really lend themselves to lobster at all. Yeah, I mean, to each his own, but here's, here's my hottest take. Lobster rolls are one of the most overrated foods of all time. Oh. It doesn't mean no, no, no. Don't mean, both doesn't the mean hot that I don't and the cold. Both the hot and the cold. Doesn't overrated. mean that I don't enjoy them. I don't. I, uh -huh. I enjoy my lobster rolls as much as anybody, and I prefer the Connecticut style, which is a warm okay. 
lobster roll with hot butter on a oh, toasted yeah. bread, a uh, toasted hot dog bun. The cold mayonnaise thing is unacceptable. It can be good. I served it at some of our restaurants, but now it's so ubiquitous, and that's the problem with it. And a lobster roll is reached. It, it is a uh, jump the shark. You know what was a, a stroke of genius, Chang, was your imitation crab roll with mm. black pepper that you were serving at Wyo. Right. So one of the best things I've ever tasted in my life was black pepper crab in Singapore. Mm. It is so effing good, man. I mean, that's how much respect I have for black pepper crab from Singapore is I won't even use fucking. I will give it the effing. <laughs> <laughs> you have to self-censor yourself when talking about it. It's so sacrosanct. No, he's at church when he's talking about it. Yeah. I mean, listen, white pepper crab is great, but black pepper crab, my God, with mud black pepper crab, mm. I just, it is, so, and you know what is even better? When I was in um, Cambodia and you had Kampot pepper, which is black pepper in there. I mean, black pepper crab is just one of the best things. I really think it's something else. And the Singaporeans in general have elevated their shellfish game to another level. Yeah, but, unreal. um, Anyway, I got off topic, Supercomputer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for this one, the Supercomputer is saying that it's going to give you an indefinite amount of time to talk about. And this is going to be our last topic. Religion and politics at the dinner table. Well, thank you, Supercomputer. I think a lot of people, the saying goes, you're not allowed to talk about these things at the dinner table. I have to ask myself, who's the fucking person that said you're not allowed to say talk about this at the dinner table? Literally, who was the first person that came up with the campaign, which became this horrible platitude, you, you should never talk about religion or politics at the dinner table? Who was it, Supercomputer? Uh, probably some like conflict-averse <laughs> like, people who are pretty apathetic. To both topics and are just trying to quote unquote get along and have a quote unquote nice evening. I don't know. I, I I'm gonna just go on a limb and say some of the problems we have in American culture today is because it is built up without ever being addressed. All these problems have been built up because we have never talked about religion and politics at the dinner table. I think the dinner table is the best place to talk about the things you're not supposed to talk about because. Mm -hmm. You're actually sitting at a table. What are you supposed to talk about? You know? Seriously. You mean literally the dinner table. You mean literally at dinner. Is no, where I'm, I'm not this. saying literally at the dinner. I'm literally saying at the dinner table is how you should be talking about the things that you're not supposed to talk about. It should be part of our daily conversation at home. It starts there. And the fact that you, we are brought up regardless of whatever faith you are in America, I still believe again, talking to my friends, nobody ever talks about these hard topics to talk about. And because we never talk about them, we don't know what to do about it. And I mean this in the same way, we never talk about mental illness. Right. Because we don't talk about it, no one knows how to talk about it. That's the problem. And it's created this incredibly divisive either or sort of situation we're in. And I, you know, we had that great conversation with Gustavo about trying to find that middle ground. You're eating food. If you can find something that's common ground, wow, this, this lasagna is delicious. Well, we know that we like something. Yep. But I hate you on your stance about Amy Barrett. You know, and, and like, why would you be opposed to women's rights for mm -hmm. abortion or something like that? These are really tough topics. Why can't we start having the conversations at the dinner table? Mm -hmm. What else can they be? You know, what did you do today, son? 
Like, that's stupid. <laughs> Literally, if we, if we joke, if you watch Leave it to Beaver, right, and you saw how they act and how they talked about things, you would laugh. You're like, wow, that's from the 50, that's some 50s shit. Well, that paradigm hasn't changed too much. Yeah. We're just not talking about anything substantial whatsoever. And I think we should be able to talk about religion and politics. And, and I mean, this is just a larger topic in general, but it's hard to do, especially if you come from an Asian American household. And, and that's what I'm asking all your kid, all you kids listening is holiday season is coming up and this probably well after the election. And I still don't think you should win or lose. I think it's something that you should talk about. Yeah. Right. You might be seeing your parents for the first time in a long time, especially because of quarantine. I think now more than ever is a good time to talk about the things you've never spoken about. And maybe it's not just with your parents. I think maybe it's a good time to ask your church congregation, ask your pastor. If you do go to service, you can't just assume that these are going to be resolved on their own. And listen, if I was someone that went to church on a regular basis and I asked my sort of minister, who are you going to, like the New York Times, like the editorial board endorses Joe Biden or something like that. Mm-hmm. Who does the church leadership, you know, endorse? And if they said Trump, I'm going to be like, this whole thing that you try to go to, this whole church is a total fucking hoax. Mm-hmm. I take your point, Chang, about divisiveness and, and letting these things just fester and just, you know, grow in, into these and just metastasize these differences we have between us. But let me ask you this. So we have a, I have a friend who's a, who's a dedicated and loyal listener to, to your show here. And I was talking to him the other night and he was saying, he's trying to get Canadian citizenship in the event that Trump wins. And he, he has Canadian heritage. He needs his mom to sign some papers so he can get Canadian citizenship. And she is a ardent Trump supporter. And, you know, when he called her, to get these papers signed, she was like, I don't, I like, I don't want to, I'm afraid that after this election, you and I will never speak again. And he was, he was on the defensive because I think he knew where I wanted to go with it. He knew I wanted to be like, can you have a conversation with her? Can you talk to her about her, her beliefs and everything? And he was like, it just, it's so delicate. And I'm really afraid of, you know, she's had a lot happen to her this year. And I just don't want to, I don't want to threaten that relationship with my mom. Like, what do you, what do you do? You know, again, I, I think about the conversation we had with Gustavo, uh, anger versus hate. And I think if you make a decision where you may not speak to somebody for some time, that doesn't mean it's forever, right? And I think more than ever, we are in a situation that is going to be looked upon in future generations as like, what the fuck were they doing? And it's not about, there's no right or wrong. There's only what is the most sensible thing to do for another person. And I have a hard time thinking that anything from the Republican agenda, and I have a lot of friends that are Republican that are traditionally Republican ideology. This is now with Trump and MAGA gone to a level that is really borderline fascist, yeah. right? And it's scary. And it's like, you know, reading that book about, you know, Hitler's America by James Whitman, it is, it is troubling, to say the least, to see how a sort of tertiary political party like the Nazis in the 30s could take over, basically, you know, Europe. Um, it's frightening. So, 
no, I think it's right or wrong. And and I remember, you know, just recently I said, man, I you can't wish um, Stephen Miller like ill will because since he contracted COVID, I'm like, sure I can. I think he's a fucking horrible human being. I think he's destroyed families. I think he's a white nationalist, supremacist, racist motherfucker, right? Like, why? And I know that it's about turning your other cheek and being accepting, but I think that's, again, part of the problem we're here is that we have been too accepting of, ex- like, extremes. Yeah. And I'm just not going to tolerate it anymore. And if, if people in my life and there have been, and I've unfortunately been able to have some incredibly hard conversations. It's not easy. I, I know. I'm not saying that you're looking for a resolution, but I think you should broach the subject, right? To know that, hey, you know, my gun is loaded, metaphorically speaking. And I'm, I, I don't want to pull the trigger. Let's have this conversation. And I think it's hard to have this common ground, again, that Gustavo was talking about if we never even know what the common ground is, we need to know what the polar extremes are. It's, it's literally like almost akin to having a conversation with your parents about sex. If you never have that conversation with your parents about sex, you'll be, I think you'll be okay, but I think it'd be completely different if they talk to you about it. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, and studies prove that yeah. <laughs> it's better to have the conversation. So it's like difference and variety of opinion is so important. I'm 100% an advocate about it, but not at the expense of extremism. I hear you. I mean, I, I totally hear you. And I, I think that it's just, it's hard for us all to, having lived a, a pretty easy life for all of our lives, to come to terms with the fact that we're living in an extraordinary time. We're living at the precipice of the end of, of, of war and strife. If you are a younger immigrant kid and you're not registered to vote and you complain about your place in life, then you literally, this is your one choice that you have agency over. All you younger kids that fucking aren't going to vote, you know, I implore you. And to the older generation that lean conservative, that will probably even suggest to the idea that uh, you can't talk about politics or religion at the dinner table is a sign of complete and utter disrespect to the older generation. Again, this is my answer to them, which they will see as complete defiance and disrespect. You immigrated to this country, so I have the right to say fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, voting is the bare minimum Absolutely. requirement. Be engaged at the political process, local, state level as well, not just federal. Well, I, I mean, listen, Chang, I, I think it's been. Good to talk to you guys about this. You know, you're my peer group. And I, I think like I was, we were already on the same side of this, but it, it has been very instructive and helpful. And I think if you're not talking about this with your friends, if you think for some reason like, oh, it's going to be, it's in poor form to bring this up at the dinner table. Like, oh, I don't want to bring up politics because like, I don't want to offend my friends or, or have an uncomfortable conversation. Like, then what kind of friendship is it even? Mm-hmm. If you're not being honest about your beliefs mm-hmm. and what you care about and your priorities, then you got to ask yourself, like, what kind of relationship is it really? And you don't have, like Chang said, you can get angry without hating. You know, the thing that ties yeah, us to our okay family is... It's okay to hate. It's okay to hate. I mean, like, yeah, uh, we, we love food. You know, like, it is true, Chang. Like, at the dinner table, we are, like, we have a common bond of, like, love for one another and the things we're eating. And, and hopefully that bond is strong enough to survive, like, a little conversation about some politics. So, hey, man, I'm with you.
Supercomputer. This was uh, what kind of question was that? <laughs> Fuck, dude. Supercomputer oh, is real heavy. Uh, um, and uh, it's the algorithm. You know, I, you can't blame me. You can't blame Isaac Lee, the producer of this. Oh, who, who's back by the? Oh, hi. Hey, how how'd it go, guys? How was it? <laughs> well, come on. Let's end. Let's end. Let's get one last parting shot. Topic before we go to Ashley. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, well, let's have one. Is um. Did the NFL fuck this all up <laughs> <laughs> by choosing to uh, by choosing to play the season this way or what? Yeah, I mean, I mean, what the fuck is going yeah. on? I mean, was the NFL ever going to do the right thing? No, what, what, that's the thing. The expectation should have been they were going to do the worst possible thing imaginable and then go from there. Yeah, and they just did a little yeah. bit better than that. Worst organization. And shout out to the NBA. Yeah. I, I I'm so insanely bummed that in another game or two that we will not have basketball for some time because it has proven to be the sport that I root for the most, the sport that I care about the most. I can't believe that we're not going to have basketball like we've had. We might not have basketball by the time this podcast airs because we're recording this on Sunday, October 11th. Tonight is game six of the finals. If the Lakers pull this out, and God forbid that happens, but if the Lakers pull this out... (laughs) Freaking despise the Lakers. Um, they win the championship, and we don't have basketball until January. Basically, I mean, the draft is next month, but that's about it. So, shout out to the to Adam Silver and to the entire NBA. They did it safely. For, they did it safely. They made it work. Yeah. Zero positive tests. The NFL is not even trying. And for everything they did, giving the players the platform to express themselves on Black Lives Matters and social justice, and giving entertainment because it just. I think without the NBA, the past three months would have been way more depressing. And it's been a total joy to have rooting for something every, basically every day for three months. It's been amazing. So thank you, NBA. And even if you're not a sports fan, you have to root for what they've tried to do this year. Yeah. All right. That was a, that was a top eight. Boneless wings. boneless wings, Excelsior challenge, Excelsior challenge, <laughs> whatever we're gonna call it. Let's. I want. I like boneless uh, wings. I was. I threw that idea out as a sponsor of the bill. I strongly support calling this the boneless, right, boneless wings. Boneless wings. The supercomputer has spoken. But supercomputer, you need to work on strengthening your algorithm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tighten it up. Do some software updates. Listen, I don't think you're gonna get an Ivy League college with this program. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take us into the pod. All right. All right. Well, enough of that. Let's get into our conversation with Asha Gomez. Welcome, Asha. Hi, Dave. It's good to see your face. Yeah, of course. I mean, How's it's been Grace a while. and Hugo? Uh, Hugo just ate lunch. Grace, we're, we're parents right now trying to just... Do daycare and work, and uh, it's just been one of those couple days. Well, he lights up my feed, that's for sure. It's the highlight when you post something about him. I mean, the problem is Grace really, I understandably, doesn't want me to post too much about Hugo, because that's honestly all that is worth posting. Yeah. <laughs> give, us the, give us the content we want, Chang. Come on. We need it. We need more Hugo content. I know, I know Grace is, is right, but come on. It's all I've got. He's a superhero. People, people um, need a little Hugo in their lives. Yes. 
but we're talking about kids today with with Asha, with our with our friend Asha, um, because you're you're about to release a cookbook, your second cookbook, um, called I Cook in Color, and yes. it's very much based around your sort of cooking exploits and adventures and and, and learning with your son Ethan. Absolutely. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your book? Sure. Um, so, you know, I'm a first generation immigrant chef and for the longest time, I've kind of been boxed into only being able to cook the foods of my ancestral kitchen, my mother's kitchen, my grandmother's kitchen. Uh, I turned 50 this year. I left India when I was 15. Um, and yet, if somebody's asking me for a recipe, the only recipe they're asking me for is of Indian origin. Uh, meanwhile, I've lived in this country for 35 years. I've traveled the world over. My, my kitchen is really, you know, it's a globally influenced kitchen. And um, so I kind of, in some ways, I think almost wanted to break that stereotype. I love Nigella Lawson, but you know, um, people are very comfortable asking her for a curry chicken from Trivandrum, from Kerala, but you won't ask me to make a marinara, which I've been making in my kitchen for 25 years. So the book is kind of the way I cook in my kitchen. Um, it's how I introduce my son to different foods and cultures from all over the world. Um, I think a lot of my education with my son happens in my kitchen. I end up teaching him so much about the world through food. So the book is really a reflection of what my kitchen is like today and how I've evolved as a cook and a chef. You know, one of the last things our late friend Floyd Cardos, who passed to COVID uh, a few months ago, you know, had the Eureka moment too, because I told him about your fried chicken. And I he, you know, he I think he put it on the menu. He was doing fried chicken Sundays or or Fridays, but he did. That to me is what your first book is about. It is finding the Venn diagram and the overlap of your cultures where what I love about it is what I try to do with my food, at least when I think it's done well, is where it's seamless. It is a, a blend where it's hard to see the stitching in a dish and it makes sense. And particularly the Indian food from Kerala region is a hodgepodge of actually not just India. It's Little European influence. It's a lot of so different much. things, right? And yes, that's a history that I'm learning more about. And you were so such a wonderful host to to show me, right? And when I tasted, and it's vice versa. I, I feel like I should have known that before I tasted your fried chicken. And if you need to learn a little bit more, look at the first season of Ugly Delicious, the fried chicken episode. Something we're very proud about. But that genuinely is one of the best bites of food I've ever tasted in my life. I mean, no bullshit because I was, you're just not ready for that that's flavor. That's a huge compliment coming. Asha, that's why and- I said Floyd, you need, if Asha's not going to open like fried chicken chains based on this, you should um, <laughs> because it's so good. Thank you. And that's my mother's fried chicken. And, you know, that's the that's the general assumption, right? People always think that the fried chicken came about because of my influence here in the American South. And I'm like, Nana, every culture figured out if you've drenched a bird in flour and deep fried it, it was probably going to be good. And <laughs> every culture has yeah. a fried bird. Um, yeah, it's my mother's recipe. I grew so up eating good. that in Just Kerala. for everyone to know, to to tell them what the flavors are, like, the thing that I was not prepared for wasn't the beautiful blends of spices 
or the cilantro or the garlic because it really isn't just like that. Like that chicken is a little bit like karyage to me, a little bit like Korean fried chicken. It's it's like many different countries on this Venn diagram. The thing that knocked me on my ass was the fragrance of coconut oil. And you were saying your mom would fry it in coconut oil. oil. And here you drizzle coconut oil on it after it's come out of the fryer. And that's just something that I never, I just honestly was never prepared for. The only other moment where I was completely floored when I was in a trattoria in Milan and, and the owner put, you know, it was white truffle season, just crushed white truffles on a giant chunk of gorgonzola dolce. I was like, that's going to be terrible. You know, I wasn't like ready for it to work. Yeah. And I didn't think it was going to be terrible, but I genuinely was one of those food moments where I, I was floored because when you taste something and you realize, oh, you don't know shit. <laughs> and it was so exciting. It was so exciting because I, re- I mean, my reaction on camera was genuine because I was like, fuck, this is so good. I never would have thought coconut and fried chicken, chicken. would work. And it does. It's so delicious together. It's such a great combination. It's a great finishing oil. We need coconut we oil. need that in the world. Uh, someone needs to open up a coconut fried chicken Asha recipe. Well, it won't be me. Good. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, the restaurant business is something I realized a really long time ago that it was not something that I wanted to do, be a part of. Um, I honestly had no life when I had my restaurant. And that's why opening up the third space was such a fantastic concept for me because I was able to have, I was able to be a mom, which is my number one priority in life. And I was able to have a fantastic career and kind of create my own hours and work when I wanted to and still do what I love without having the rigor of the restaurant life. Yeah, Dave knows knows a little something about that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, I got everything's. I just, I'm speechless for parents right now. It's so hard. Um, but your 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 kid's gr- like, he's like a man. He is. I, you know, I I adopted. I don't know if you know my story. I adopted Ethan from India when he was like three years, almost three years old, um, and he was completely like malnourished. When I held my son in my arms for the first time, he was like 16 pounds at almost three years of age, distended belly. And, you know, that's why nutrition and food hunger, like food insecurity is such a big part of what I do on my free time is because I was able to firsthand see what proper nutrition does for a child. And, you know, today I have a thriving 15-year-old on my hands. And it's so important that children get proper nutrition. But he's an amazing kid. He's just a really good child. I've not had too many issues with him. Um, The teenage years have been... Not so fun. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, um, I mean, at, at some points, it's almost comedy. But I think genuinely, Ethan and I, we like each other as people. We like each other as human beings. And so we actually like spending time with each other. And quickly, shout out to Ethan for setting up our, our tech side here. We had some, we had a little difficulties. And, and that's the number one There's reason to have a teenager. <laughs> Having a teenage, <laughs> just exactly. having a, having a geek squad in the house at all times. <laughs> yes, 
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Um, well, should we dive into to a little parent talk here, Dave? A little dad talk. We've got a we've got a experienced mom with us. Do we want to dive into some some uh, victories, some parenting victories of the past week or so? Let's do it. Um, well, we usually uh, <laughs> Asha, you you tell me if you want to go first or you want one of us to go first. But we 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 kick off our dad's episodes with sort of sharing some parenting victories, things that we've done well. Go ahead. Small or Let large. me see what your victories are. You guys go ahead. <laughs> Uh, Chang, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Um, yeah, this has actually been going on for a couple months now, but now 19 months old Hugo is, and, and I am now fully responsible for his diaper change. Cause usually if I change diapers, Grace would always be suspect. I didn't do it right. I, I, it's too tight, too loose. I didn't get the flanges out on blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And now, now what I do right is he expects me to wake him up and to make him breakfast. But now, as our in-laws are leaving, and for the past couple months, I am now completely autonomous to look after him for at least three hours in the morning. And I don't need any help. I can do it all on my own. I think people are probably like, yeah, you should be able to do that. And I have been able to do it. But now, now it's, not, it's not with uh, the look of disdain. of you're not going to do this right. Now it's just like, <laughs> you can do this right. He's got this. But yeah, I've got this. And and uh, it's funny what happens. You just stop getting freaked out about the poo. <laughs> and, and, and now I have seen every kind of poo so far. And um, It's true. I mean, it continues for a long time because it passes beyond poo and moves on to other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, we're sort of like at the precipice of potty training. And yeah. I know that it's a little, little, little early on. And, and I find myself as a dad just saying ridiculous things because the one thing from the books and really, again, for the clear, I'm not reading the books. Grace is reading the books and she's telling me, you have to not say like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Look! Oh my God! Yes, when they're like, taking three like, forty-minute showers at fifteen, yeah. you're like not supposed to say, "Oh my God!" <laughs> you know, like, oh, whoa! I'm not supposed to. I, so I, I, I've, I'm now like, you know, like yeah. it just happened for breakfast. This is actually interesting. What he's done, he's getting very clever. And again, I made him a bunch of food. He didn't eat it. I, I made him like a stew with cod, and I'll, we'll talk about this later. But he now knows that he was like. He looks up at us, me, and he's like, poo. And he now can say when he's going poo. And that's like a step, obviously, to, and, and I say, good job, good job. And I have to like congratulate him for letting us know. And then I looked, peeked in the back, and there was no poo. And he smiles because, 
he knows for me to open up the back of his diaper, I have to unbuckle his high chair. And now he's like, I'm not, I'm free. Oh my God. He has staged, he knows how to plan and execute a prison break. Yeah. (laughs) And and, and there's no way of getting him back in to the seat. And I was like, this kid not only speaks better Korean than I do now, he's outsmarted me. I'm playing Gary Kasparov in chess. That's so amazing. (laughs) And uh, I think it's great. But part of it is I am now on poo watch all the time. I'm just trying to find the rhythm for his poo and, I'm focused on my son. You know, a little bit like having a dog. You have a puppy. When you have I a puppy, do. Can you're you just hear like, my puppy? You're only so thinking sorry. about poo. <laughs> yes. All day. Every day. day. And that's basically where I'm at. And I think this is a positive. Mm-hmm. All I think about is poo and stool movements for my son. <laughs> when, when, when we were potty training our, our dog, not to, not to derail us into puppy talk, but like I remember we're potty training this dog and just like the immense relief I would feel when the dog would poop. I'd be like, I don't have to think about poop for the next 90 minutes, at least. Like, I'm just like, finally, I'm free of this mental prison of thinking about my dog's shit for 90 minutes. Like, that's that's just all I can hope for. And just the paranoia of, is he going to go in the house? Is he going to go? Is he going to go? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I have I have a small parenting victory. I've got, I got a small one and a, and a slightly larger one, but I'll share my, my small one. I had started freaking out a little bit early. I don't know how when you're for the teacher kids how to use chopsticks, but I bought like all sorts of different chopstick types, like beginner learner chopsticks or whatever, and none of them were seeming to work. And I was starting to be like, oh, my kid is Asian and can't use chopsticks. What am I going to do? Is it too late? Like, do I just give up? Like, uh, and then my wife bought these these little chopsticks that have like thumb hole and like two finger holes on either side and like it's it's real like training wheels but within like one meal she was picking up like rice she was picking up noodles she was you know she's three and she was like picking up all sorts of stuff and like i was i was like very excited about it but i I think like the little finger holes on the chopsticks are are crucial how's uh how are ethan's chopstick skills as a teenager really good he's really good with chopsticks um what's more embarrassing Asha, what do you think is more embarrassing? Not knowing how to drive or not knowing how to use chopsticks? <laughs> Probably the chopstick. <laughs> right? Right? Yep. I would think so. I am also going to admit, I have a wildly unorthodox chopsticks technique. Oh, you don't run standard. What's, what is For, yours? If I was a baseball pitcher, it, you'd be like, Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> does he get the ball over there? <laughs> Or you're like you're like you're like Ichiro, man. Your your batting stance. No, is like crazy. I, I have it lean. It it's a little bit more like cross-eyed on my chopsticks, and um, yeah, I, it was made clear to me when I was cooking in Japan. People were like, no, 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 you can't, you can't use chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I use chopsticks. <laughs> because here's the thing: cooking cooking chopsticks in Japan are very different. They're like nunchucks. They're so goddamn uh... heavy. They're they're also like daggers. They're they're, they're like sharpened metal and they're very, very top heavy, very difficult to use. And uh, I didn't mean to get off topic on the chopsticks things, but I, I will also say one <laughs> thing, Asha. Yes. Are you a fan of the square chopstick or the circular chopsticks? The round, or round the metal? Isn't that interesting. Is it terrible for me to say that I'm just into like pretty chopsticks? I mean, they could be square or round. 
for mm. me. What's your What's your day to day chopstick of choice though? If you're just opening the drawer, and you're going to eat some noodles. That's such Are a you a great thick question. square or a, or a sharp, pointed round? We're grilling her too hard on chopsticks. Nobody should be asked these questions. We apologize. <laughs> like, I actually, Asha, it's also fun to be like, I don't care. And yeah. uh, what are you guys talking about? Um, <laughs> it, that the expression that Asha just had, just for the audience, was, good God, these is the dumbest question I've ever been asked in my entire life. <laughs> so my parenting win, changing topics on chopsticks. <laughs> yeah, let's get into the parenting win. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. No, let's hear your parenting win. My parenting win, my son got his um, driving permit. Whoa. Whoa. And I have been teaching him how to drive myself. And he's a phenomenal driver. Really good. Really careful. And my parenting win is I get chauffeured around all over the place now because I don't like to drive. The kid's just waiting for an opportunity to get in the car and get on the wheels. And so my parenting one has been, I get to sit in the car and not drive now. Are you at all nervous? No, he's actually really, really good, Dave. He's a great driver. But I mean, that's so, it's just like driving those, like... I, you know, Chang and I, our kids are, are young. We're like, that's way out of our thoughts. But like, was in the, was the buildup to, you know, age 15, 16, was it anxiety ridden with that? Or you were just always cool with it? I was always cool with it. I knew that the day on his birthday, 15th birthday, I would be at that, uh, getting his driving permit. Um, but I don't know if it's all the video games that they play with the assimilation, with the driving that made it better. I wonder sometimes because he literally got on there and started driving. Hmm. He knew wow. how to drive. <laughs> but he was just like, he was his video game experience, so he was just like flooring it over lawns and running I, over. <laughs> I don't know if that makes an impact. Like, I would be curious to know if that actually does make an impact because, you know, he has all these gadgets in his playroom that he's using constantly. So, but he's a uh, really good man. driver. I hope by the time Hugo gets older in decade, what, 17, 16 years? No. Yeah. yeah. 13, 15. 14 years from now. Yeah. That no kid will ever get their driver's license because they won't need to because everything will be autonomous. I I have no desire to ever see my son behind the wheel. I hope it never ever happens. <laughs> I, I'm 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 with you, man. Like Asha, I want to ask you because yes. I think my default mode is probably similar to Chang's, where like every day I'm racked with just like Oh God, my, my two children are, are one day older. I'm like, they're one day closer to autonomy. I'm freaking out. But like, are you generally, you didn't have anxiety over him learning to drive. Are you, do you have anxiety I about just him growing up? Um, like, I've just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the way I parent too. I've always been, um, I want him to do all the things that I wasn't able to do at his age, right? And they do have access to so much already than I did or we did when we were younger. But I feel that life moves forward. I always say, when I grow up, I want to be like my kid. You know, I want to strive to be like him. I'm not teaching him to be like me by any stretch of the imagination. So for me, every milestone that he has, whether it's driving and, you know, gaining that, I see it. It's that sense of independence that he can get from point A to point B. Um, I feel like his confidence gets better and better with every moment that I have let go a little bit as a parent. He is growing as a human and I love watching it. It's tough. It's not the easiest thing to do. Because, you know, 
you're so used to constantly being there, protecting your children, sheltering them, and you've created this cocoon for them. And so letting them come out of this cocoon and go into the world, it ends up being more work for you as a parent than it does for the teen. He's just evolving into the human he has to be, but you end up having to change because you end up having to change the way you see your child. He's not a child that Mm. needs you anymore. And so that takes internal work, you know, but once you start doing it, you revel in their successes and you revel in, in the joy that you see they have from being able to have all these little accomplishments that hopefully someday will be big ones. I do love that, like, my children are sort of the only people on the planet whose successes I can cheer on. 100% wholeheartedly with like without an ounce, a single shred of like jealousy or envy yes. or any sort of other baggage, you know, like even with your like closest friends or other family members, you can be like, oh, congratulations. God damn it. Like, why am I not? <laughs> why am I not doing better? But with your kids, you're like, yes, every success of yours is pure. So how, how did, did he play a, a big part or was he pretty active in, in sort of writing this cookbook with you? Or did you guys cook together a lot? We cook together. So, you know, at the third space, Ethan helps me a lot. He's not necessarily into cooking. He's kind of a techie guy, but he likes helping me in the process of cooking. Like he loves going to the market with me. We travel a lot. And so that becomes a huge part of, you know, when we're traveling, <laughs> the first thing we're researching is what we're going to eat, where we're going to eat. Um, That's the other thing I do when we travel with Ethan from the time he was 13, whether it's going to Ireland or somewhere in Europe, um, I make him take the lead. Like even from going from gate A to gate B, I let him maneuver it and figure it out. So he's such a great traveler because I've not micro-parented him in those scenarios. And even when he makes a mistake, I follow and I let him make it so that we can get to the right destination eventually. Um, but he likes being in the kitchen with me because he helps me a lot with my business, but he's more in, he take, he's taking the orders. He does all the computer, um, side of it, but he enjoys a great plate of food. He really does. Boy can eat. He'll eat you out of house and home. <laughs> Like you feed him and 20 minutes later, he's hungry again. I don't know where teenagers, it, I don't know where it goes. And he's fit as a fiddle, you know, it's constantly oh, eating. I wish I had a little bit of that metabolism still not, <laughs> not present over here. I mean, I, I just don't want to have a teenager. I don't know how you're it's, doing it. You know, Dave, it's not as bad as people make it out to be. Because oh, I come on, Asha, you're I'm totally lying. I'm telling you, I heard these nightmare scenarios of how horrible it was going to be to have a teenager. And it's really not that bad. It's not been that bad for me anyway. I don't know if I lucked out with a decent kid. So, Asha, how about this? Let me spend an hour with Ethan. And we'll see how yes. it goes. <laughs> Maybe we can change his ways. <laughs> yeah. Asha, you were know. you a good teenager? Were you were you a were you a well behaved teenager? Uh, well, you know, I grew up in India, and you don't have the opportunity to be a bad teenager, especially <laughs> as a girl in India when I was younger. So, you know, for the most part, I was a very compliant teenager. Yeah, I was. I was a good teenager. 
I think Chang Chang is more afraid because he has seen what a Chang teenager probably looks like. Maybe <laughs> I, I'm already Even, seeing it where terror? it's going to go. I mean, the kid were you is, in terror when you were a teenager? Uh, no, I mean I was a hot mess. I, I, I think I was a terror because I was just a mess of a kid. Um, but I, I'm worried because if Hugo's this clever now, I'm I'm totally screwed. <laughs> So, should we get into things that we did poorly? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I want to get into that, but actually, before we do that, Shane, can I share one more victory slash, I mean, it involves you, and and it's a a victory that I owe you some credit for here, frankly. What? Uh, (laughs) um, I hate compliments. Please, speak. It's not even even really a compliment. It's... um, End of last week, I uh, I kind of like locked myself here in this office space, and you know my my wife is watching the two kids, and I tend to try to like pop out as often as I can to help with the kids like during the workday, but I had really just kind of hunkered down in here. Um, I mean, frankly, because I was having a, a hard time, <laughs> I was having a hard time with like just the events of the world and stress and everything, and I just didn't, I wasn't like being very actively engaged, and uh, I called Dave, and I told Dave, you know, I'm having I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm having a hard time, like, leaving the office space here. Like, I'm feeling very, I'm having a hard time this week. And I'm feeling like a weight on my chest and kind of like a lump in my throat. And I don't know what's going on. And I can't really leave. I can't, I can't do anything. And, and Dave stopped me and said, Chris, you're having a panic attack. Like, I, <laughs> this is maybe your first, but this would not be mine. <laughs> and I wanted to say that Dave, you know, really talked me through this thing. Yeah. Um, told me I should. I mean, I don't know, Dave, if the, if it's like if I should share this sort of like remedy sure. or if, if it's not really. But Dave was like, in my experience, and he was very careful to be like, "This is my experience and not yours." But I'll tell you what I do when I have these panic attacks. Like, I try, I, I get on an exercise bike, I go for a run, and I try to like physically kind of exhaust myself to take my mind away from the pains of the world and just try to like put my body in a different place. And so I recently joined this Peloton cult. And got on there and, and did what he said. And I, um, <laughs> who knows if I was sweating or crying or whatever. It was just salty liquid all over the place. But I, I walked out of that room and I was, I, I felt much better. And, and that's awesome. I, I was able to go and, and, and be with my kids and my family again. And I know that's not like a parenting victory per se, but. Uh, it is a parenting victory. It really is. I think that we tend to not realize how important that time is even for a moment to not be constantly in that space with them and focusing on self because you come back so much more rejuvenated for your family and your kids. That's how it felt. It felt like I was, you know, I could go and pretend to be like a a, a dad for a while or I could try to actually put myself back in that space. But it really did. It it made me feel like I was I was better equipped to be a father again that day. And, and, you know, Dave, I know you don't like compliments, but and I've said this to you in private, but, you know, thank you, man. Like it, well, it thanks is. for sharing. I mean, I have panic attacks, like, I mean, all the time. So, when you told me you were having trouble breathing, I know it wasn't a heart attack. So, and yeah. though just the way you were describing everything, again, I'm not a medical doctor. And once you said it was hard to catch a breath, I was, and it's like, oh, that's that's how my panic attacks happen, where you are trying to get air. You know that you have nothing preventing you from getting it, but the more you try to get air, the less air. And you know you're breathing, yeah. but it doesn't feel satisfactory and it becomes more of an anxiety thing. And 
it's certainly psychosomatic, I think. And I mean, I think, Masha, it's hard being a parent right now. I mean, it is not the easiest time. Everybody's going through this moment to some degree. And what we're going to have to probably unpack, I was talking to my psychiatrist about this, and he was suggesting that the trauma of the past seven plus months is going to be something that is going to be a severe detriment to society moving forward because we as a culture don't talk about our feelings. We repress them. And Everybody is going to process this. Literally, the entire world is processing this, and some are going to process it better than others, and the best way to process it is to talk about it and not to keep it bottled up, because the world at large is a fucking shit place right now. (laughs) Nothing is good. We have a racist motherfucker as president. We have all of this inequity continuing to happen. You're fearful of going outside. Everything is shit. And it feels such, it feels hopeless sometimes. It really does. Um, but then you look at your children. Yeah. Right? And there comes the hope. And so that's the beautiful part about parenting is like, no matter what's happening around the world, um, getting teary eyed just talking about it, you know, when I look at my kid and the energy that I've poured into putting a good human out into the world um, gives me hope. And the fact that he is someone that I'm proud to see be a part of society gives me hope. And I see your kid and I see your kids and that's what gives me hope. I love that. I love that phrase of you're, you're trying to put a good person out into the world. Like that's, <laughs> that's so good. That's, that's what we're trying to do. And yeah, so I, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't mean to derail us. I, I know that having a panic attack is not really a victory, <laughs> parenting victory, but um I assume that, like you said, Chang, parents out there are all having these moments. And I, and I think, like, if you have a friend that you can call and put you back into that right headspace, like, that's a can victory. I also, can I also add, if people in your life are acting funny or being a pain in the ass or out of their fucking minds, right? They're just not right. I think we need to genuinely withhold judgment. If yeah. people are At acting like a, basically an asshole, a dickhead, or anything that bothers you tremendously right now and traditionally they haven't been or not to the degree we just don't know what the fuck is going on in people's lives right now and the stress involved and more than ever as you don't have the interactions you normally would have with individuals the more you can have these conversations or these events with people in your head like you you are judging people like they're robots in a vacuum and That's what I'm trying to remind myself is if people are acting abnormal or not the way you want them to, this is a moment in time where you can't expect people to think or act logically or rationally or the way you want them to because everything's unmoored. Yeah. And you're right because, you know, we were already kind of getting to the point of being kind of isolated, but this kind of isolation and being in these pods that we are all forced to be in now can't possibly be easy. And I can't, I can only imagine at least we have families for people who don't have that structure around them, how difficult this time must be. Um. I'll kick us off on parenting fails here with a with a lighter one, and it actually it bears some resemblance to uh, to something Chang's talked about on our dad's podcast before. But I was reading a book to my daughter the other night, and I think the main character's name was like Jimmy or something. And uh, 
I was reading, I was reading, I was reading. We're laying in bed together. And the next thing I know, my daughter goes, who's Danny? (laughs) I was like, like, huh? I like realized I had completely fallen asleep, was just uttering utter nonsense, (laughs) wasn't even reading the book and just started talking about the character as though his name was Danny. And she was like, what are you, can you show me in the book what you're talking about? I was like, oh, uh, no, I I was just kidding. Never mind. (laughs) Like back to the book. So I've now fallen asleep mid-sentence with my with my kid. It's a, it's an amazing uh, sleep aid. <laughs> I mean, I just don't know how much longer I can do this without someone assisting me. I need someone to watch me watching Hugo. <laughs> um, all right, somebody else give me a, give give us a loss here. Give us a parenting fail. I'll go. I'm trying to. Like, do all the work I can to relieve Grace as our in-laws are headed back to Seattle. And I'm trying to put Hugo to bed at night. And it is just a total, utter failure. (laughs) He just doesn't want me to put him to bed. And uh, I don't know what to do. And last night was a perfect example. I, I, He's like, no. And I, I'm trying, I, I'm just, I don't know what to do. So I, I, it's a total failure. I, I can't like have him run outside. I can't have him play. I can't give him food. And he doesn't want the milk <laughs> bottle of milk for me. And he was just, I, I don't, it's a total, if you want to fail, it's not me being a bad parent per se. It's just me being totally unacceptable to put him to bed. I used to be able to do it when he was younger, but now he just yells, ma. Ma. So you're just young and, and getting up. And, <laughs> and then he also just toying with me because he starts playing with the lights. He starts throwing stuff around. He knows I basically am losing badly. I'm about I'm down like several touchdowns to my son, and he is outwitted me at every step of the way. And uh, I don't know what to do. And I need to be able to find a way to put him to bed because I can't have my wife be the only person who's able so, to do that. Yeah. Help. I thought about giving him Motrin just to like give him, like make him tired. That's oh what I really was debating. I was like, what if I just give him? Because most the baby Motrin, if you don't know, is very sweet. Yeah. And You're I like, just oh, was like, uh, is that a fever? I think, I think you got a fever. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think you need a little, you need a little medication. Oh man. I've been there, man. I've hundred percent been there. So for me, parenting fail has been going ongoing for a couple of months now. Uh, when you have to become teacher, to your 15 year old um, and you are his school system, I think I've been failing pretty badly. Um, It's really, really difficult. You know, you're not used to this scenario where you have to focus so much on your kids' academics. (laughs) I want to be that parent, but I also have things that are going on. So I can't monitor him 24 seven. It's been tough. Um, it's not been easy because it's not something I'm good at. And I'm, I'm fortunate that, you know, I, his dad is actually, my ex-husband is actually involved now because I just couldn't do it on my own. I was like, listen, I can't, this is a bit much for me. So he's helping and has become very hands-on with it. But it's been so difficult to navigate through the schooling during this time. So, so very difficult. And there are no tools actually available because nobody knew this would happen. <laughs> and now slowly people have started talking about it and giving you ideas on how to deal with it. But he will be going to virtual school for the next 
whole year. So now we have had to create structure and timings. And it's, it's a whole thing that you have to go through that you never had to do before. So, How many hours a day is he sort of on Zoom calls or whatever it is? Five hours. Oh, yeah. shit. Five hours. Yeah. yeah. But even, but then you have to monitor what happened in those five hours. So at the end of the day, you have to sit and go through his lesson plan and make sure that he's actually on point because you're the person that even, even his attendance, we have to give him attendance in this forum that we're in right now. So it's, um, I feel I fail at it every day. How, so I'm just trying to imagine like the high school age Zoom calls. Like, are they not, if it's me, I'm just like cameras on and I'm doing whatever and I'm texting my friends the entire time, right? Like That's exactly what is happening. So, you know, meanwhile, I have work to do, right? So I can't be monitoring and this is really sad, but I literally have my son sitting across from my kitchen in such a way that I could see his computer screen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I position, I've had to change his positioning because he will just disappear and I don't know what's going on, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, Chang and I have only sort of speculated about this in, 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 in our talks about parenting and remote schooling and everything, but these are pivotal years, right? Like he's, he's what, a sophomore in, in high school or something? He's, he's a sophomore. It would have been his first ninth grade in high school. So the tools that now we have gotten are like, for example, we have online tutor. We have, he has now started a four year coding course. By the time he's done with high school, he's going to have literally a degree walking out of high school. So we have all these additional things that we have had to bring into the home to occupy his time just to keep him interested and alert and aware because it's so easy for a teenager to lose 24 hours. It'll be gone like this because he's gaming. So even restricting the time on gaming. And so all these restrictions, which you didn't have to do before, because if not, he was on it after school or on the weekends. Now putting that structure in place, it's it's hard work. Do you guys think it's too late for me to become a an elite gamer? <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested. Like, I know, I know that like we're trying to stop teenagers from gaming too much, but like, it's 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 very appealing to me. I think I would like to be a gamer. I think I want to get into this, but my fingers are too chubby. I think is the number one obstacle. Isn't there some money in that? Some people there make is. some crazy money in it, don't they? Yeah, I think there's real money in it. Yes. Our, 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 one of our partners in Major Domo Media is an owner of an esports team. <laughs> What an asshole. <laughs> you know, he's he's the one that's laughing to the bank. I know. I know. I just want to get I just want to get drafted, undrafted, uh, undrafted walk-on gamer. Um, Dude, I have a I have a quick question for you on Hugo. So, you know, I know he's really, really young right now, but are you doing do you read to him now already? Oh, yeah. And he's he's I mean, I know everybody says their kids are smart, but I'm I'm actually daily blown away. That I mean, it's like he's not me. Thank God. Uh, you know that moment when Forrest Gump says to to Jenny when he finds out he has a child, is he is he is he like me? But is that's what I feel like. That's what I feel like almost every day. He's oh, not me Jesus. at all. Um, um, all right, Cheng, you got any recipes? Asha, do you have any recipes that that uh, have helped you through the years getting getting Ethan to eat things that he loves? Cheng, you got anything for no. feeding the little ones? 
I, he just likes rice and barley tea. That's it. No matter what, what I make that? him, that's My it. My kid loves rice too. Rice and fish curry. My kid is a fish curry. Like well, your kid, well, look, young, your fish curry is delicious. I've had it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Ching, you were talking about a fish stew that you made earlier, weren't you? Did you have something that you oh, were yeah, talking he, about? Oh, yeah, he, he, he spit it all out. Oh, cool. uh, I, I, I took some cod and I, I made adashi and then I took some taro because Corey Lee inspired me. I got some taro and then I put some cauliflower and some chives and I gently poached it and then I shredded it all up and then I took some avocado and I washed some kimchi because he loves kimchi and I tossed that up and in another bowl I gave him rice with some Wait, barley tea. he loves kimchi? He can take Oh this- man, the kid, the kid eats like a, a like an old man. He's an old free man. amazing. <laughs> you know, doesn't that, go, doesn't that go to saying that kids literally, they're conditioned to what you yeah. expose them to, right? But he literally eats like an old Korean guy. He wants rice with barley tea and he doesn't need a spoon. He just I love barley puts tea. puts the bowl to his mouth. Or now, as I put it on video, he just puts his face into the bowl, and that's how he likes to drink his liquids now. <laughs> that's just so pure joy, though. Eats how, and how drinks much, simultaneously. <laughs> like you know, it's so much joy for us to watch how Hugo eats. I can't imagine. Like that must be one of the most beautiful parts of your day. I love right? it, but it's also frustrating because. He stopped. He has really stopped eating well. Like he didn't eat okay. breakfast. I made him two eggs. What else did I make him? Um, always now it's rice. That's the only thing That's he's going to eat is rice. But it can't just be dry rice. It has to be rice with barley tea. And here's the other thing that's crazy. He says al. Al in Korean means uh, like row, fish row. Okay. <laughs> you know what he wants? I, what I gave him for lunch and for breakfast. Because he now wants to eat fish row with his rice. Nice. So delicious. But for Boy. lunch, I tried to like fool him. Yesterday, I tried to fool him with his rice by adding a bunch of oats, right? So he got some different nutritional value. Did it work? He's like rice because he'll say rice or pop in Korean. Yeah. And then he'll, and he's like took a bite and then he thinks about it. And then he <laughs> took another bite of it and he's like, something's not right here. He, he knew he was out. getting caught. And, and yeah, and he knew that he's like, no, the ratio is way more oatmeal and oats and stuff to the rice. And today, <laughs> I, 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 I like started to bury some pieces of the fish in the rice and then top it with some fish roe, the al, and uh, in between bites so he wouldn't notice. But he'll, he'll he in his mouth, eat the, the fish flavor. roe, eat as much of the rice, and then spit out the fish. <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed. I'm impressed by his. That's, uh, that's a good palate right there. I, he no. can distinguish. I don't know, and it's really pissing me off because <laughs> I put a <laughs> I put a lot of work into making his food, and he's just now all over the place. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. I mean, he's growing up in David Chang's household. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a private chef that's not getting paid by him. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, my my daughter will like the, the these kids have like this amazing dexterity with their mouths. Like uh, there'll be like a single shred of scallion in like a giant bite of food and she'll be chewing and chewing and chewing away and then just like it's like it's like when you see somebody tie a, a cherry stem into a knot, she'll just then spit out like this tiny intact piece of scallion and be like, "Um, I don't want this." And I'm like, "How did you do that? That seems she'll physically impossible." It. Yeah, it's like it's like what Hugo's doing. It's amazing, but 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. So fish curry, fish curry is your go-to when you you, you got to so get him. Ethan loves fish curry, but you know he's also an all-American kid. He you know if if I don't make fish curry like in two weeks, he'll be like, hey mom, you haven't made fish curry. Um, but you know he's a typical American kid. He loves his burgers and his pizza and pasta, and you know that's his to-go. But he does love him some fish curry. Hugo's basically a vegetarian. <laughs> is he? <laughs> but he doesn't like meat at all. Really? <laughs> yeah, he just is like, Ugh. he always spits it out. He'll chew it and spit it out. He just wants rice. Wow. An occasional but, egg now. With and the pasta. rice. I have to send you a kitchadi recipe for Hugo. He'll love it. It's rice Ooh. with lentils, kitchadi with the with the ghee. Doesn't it's like beans. Like, oh, no, he no lentils. Nope. Just really? it has to be just rice. Just plain rice. That's mm. it. I'll take that recipe though. That sounds okay. good. It's really yeah. yummy. I want it. I just, I, I, I'm just so tired. <laughs> well, that's good because I mean, that's good that he likes rice. That's such a nice canvas. For yeah, you but to I'm too competitive, Asha. I need to win, and he's winning. I just can't crack this kid anymore. Guess what, David? Uh. Guess what? He's always gonna win, and when he's not winning, guess what else? You're gonna let him win. No, but- I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you think you if we are. ever start playing any kind of game, I'm going to let... Look, no. 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 No, Chang. It's, Going it's for the jugular self- every time. Letting him win is about <laughs> self-preservation, so you never have to deal with the moment when he truly can beat you. Yes. All right. Well, listen. Asha, are you doing a book tour? I, you know, I can't go anywhere, but um, I'm excited about this book. It was really the book I wanted to write. Um, it's the way I cook in my kitchen today. No book tour, so everything's going to be virtual. Good luck with that. I just did one. It's very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> yes. How, is it? Super. How about you? How about you with your book? Are you, there's no you book know, tour, we were, is there? We had like a 21 city tour yeah. uh, planned. And I think that ultimately changed a lot of things and with COVID. But we've done it. I've done, I don't know, this is what, the end of three weeks. Yeah. I still have the, it's tailing off. And I'll be honest, thank God. <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot it's really it's not that it's repetitive you just want to be able to like see the people and talk to people exactly in person and and i'm just so tired of zoom i'm tired of all these other uh meeting room platforms like it's gonna I be mean, a while before we can do that huh i mean oh, God, by the I time so. i'm back i think it's gonna be at least another year and a half right before, by the time the vaccine comes and we're able to have normal lives again. Well, I'm moving to North Korea. Pyeongchang, here I come. <laughs> well, wherever you're going, we might follow you. I thought you were going to go to, where did you put up the other New day? New Zealand. Yeah. It looks I, I, so I, 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 I'm serious. I, I, I did. I, I, I'm not joking. That would be awesome. And we'll be right behind you. Yeah. Because really, not... what is there in this country right now? Just <laughs> Yeah, let's do this. Commune. Let's build it. That was our conversation with Asha Gomez and uh, a longer conversation I had with uh, Isaac and Chris. And I don't even know what the fuck we were talking about earlier, but uh, stay safe, register to vote, give us five stars, however you rate this podcast, and uh, keep on sending questions to askdave at majordomamedia.com. Thank you so much. <laughs>